Hello and welcome to Donkey Votes. This week I'm going to be leaving it all to James as he interviews a British journalist and Daily Mail columnist Peter Hitchens uh, on the back of a, I suppose, a post that caused a bit of controversy uh, in Ireland. So without further ado, I'll, I'll pass it over to James. But uh, as usual, comments, questions, queries, donkeyvotes at gmail.com, on Twitter at donkeyvotes. Uh, and James, take it away. So, Peter Hitchens, thanks very much for coming on to the show today. Uh, we were motivated really to get in touch with you because of a recent uh, blog post you had surrounding our new and much beloved uh, Taoiseach Leo Varadkar, who was in Belfast um, at a Pride event, among, among, other, among others. Um, and you took issue certainly with with a speech he made, and so just in case for anybody who hasn't seen your blog post, one one sentence which stood out for me, um, which you say you you had sympathy with his fears of a hard border between Northern Ireland and the rest of the island of Ireland, but it is a United Kingdom matter and one which we will decide. I do not think he ought to intervene in UK politics while on UK soil. Now, I mean, strictly speaking, you're you're, you're quite right. This is, of course, true. Um, we did renounce in the Republic of Ireland. We renounced our, our territorial claim over Northern Ireland uh, in in 1998. But as as part of that agreement, um, the the agreement reached was that Northern Ireland would remain part of the United Kingdom until a majority of the people, both of Northern Ireland and of the Republic of Ireland, wished otherwise. So this kind of acknowledges, really, I suppose, a special status for Northern Ireland. Um, which no other part of the UK has, a kind of an asterisk, if you like, which gives another country, uh, Ireland, a say in the future of, of the province. And it's probably hard to imagine an issue which will more clearly define maybe the future of Northern Ireland than, than Brexit. So where the public, Republic rather no longer has a claim of the territory, it certainly has a say of, of sorts. W- would, would you not agree with that? Because I do not think that politicians uh, should uh, publicly engage in the politics of countries 
where they're not sovereign, nor should they appeal over the heads uh, of the legitimate governments of those countries to the people of those countries. It's not what they're for. And in fact, it's not merely is it, is it a mistake, and in my view, bad manners and diplomacy. Uh, it's also counterproductive. One of the main reasons, I think, why the, the British voted uh, as they did to leave the European Union was precisely because Barack Obama, the American president, turned up in, in, in the middle of it and told us all to vote to stay. Yeah. And many people said, well, none of your business, matey. Yeah. And, <coughs> I, I have to say, when he did that, I, did, I took no part in the referendum campaign, we'll come to that. Yeah. When he did that, I, I, I very much felt that the the Leave campaign would probably benefit greatly from it. I still do think so. Sure. It's, it just seems to me to be wrong. And I, as I say, the Hitchens' rule, Hitchens' second rule of politics, is in foreign policy, whenever you do something, always imagine it the other way around. And I think that Irish people who think that it's okay for the for the Tishuk to tell a bit Belfast to do this kind of thing should imagine how they would feel if it went the other way. And I think they'd be very cheesed off, and I think they'd be right to be. They, they, they would, I suppose, but I mean... There is, as, as I mentioned earlier, it's a slightly different thing in that there is this special status, and, and that term is probably regrettable. It in maybe special status, it doesn't license bad manners. Okay, yeah. It doesn't license going beyond the normal rules of diplomacy. I don't mind if Mr. Varadkar wants to, 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 to go and see anybody in the British government or, or, or communicate through the Irish or British embassies in, in London or Dublin his strong feelings about this subject, and I'm sure that he does so. But it's quite different. The government-to-government action is quite different. And indeed, the government intervention of, in the affairs of neighbouring countries of that kind goes on all the time. And all the time. But it's quite different when it's, when it's done publicly and when it's, it, it goes over the heads of the, of the legitimate government of a sovereign state and is directed at the public of, 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 that, of that sovereign state and, and the process is therefore an intervention in internal politics, which, as I say, if it were done to you, you would, you would feel was illegitimate. Okay. Well, I mean, the reason why I wrote the piece, actually, was, was that I was astonished by the absence of any kind of objection to it. It just seemed to me amazing that anybody could behave in this fashion. It still seems amazing. I, I, was, I was very annoyed when Obama did it, but a lot of people pointed that out. It wasn't, it wasn't only me saying it, but on this occasion I had noticed nobody anywhere saying that there'd been anything odd about the store. I thought it was odd, and I feel it's my job if I, if I think something is, uh, is out of order to say so. That's why I write. Fair enough. Let me take you back to to um, I actually I, I looked at the blog um, that particular post and I looked at one of your, your comments below which generated probably a little bit more controversy which was the statement that the founders of Ireland seized a large chunk of UK territory by unilateral acts of violence beginning in 1916. I mean yes this again this is strictly speaking this is true but it's sort of hard to fathom. It, it is strict, strict, strictly speaking, is true, but it's. I mean, if you look at unilateral, unilateral acts of violence, can be traced back, you know, to the Silk and Thomas Rebellion in 1534, right, right through to the the Connacht Rangers in in 1920. So, can I make a simple point here, which is, it, it's very, it, it, English people who have any interest in, in Irish politics uh, will find very rapidly that there's a, there's a strong desire to misunderstand their their. their their remarks, and I make these remarks in British publications or British territory. I should, I, I should add, mm-hmm. uh, where I, I, I'm entitled to do so. Uh, if I criticise, as I do, for instance, the, uh, the the surrender to the Irish Republican Army and, and, and its, its gangster violence, and indeed the the parallel surrender to the gangster violence of the so-called loyalists 
Gilead-style uh, politics of hating Ireland and the Irish, of being some sort of Cromwellian enthusiast of, of thinking the Crow Park was a good idea, and of being a keen supporter of the auxiliaries. Yeah. This is frankly rubbish. I have I hold none of these opinions. Well, I, I'm, 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 no, I'm not, I'm not saying that. No. Very strong sympathy with the Irish nationalist cause. Sure. But I, I, I discriminate strongly between one view and another. Yeah. And if I get if I get given propaganda slogans about Northern Ireland being a, a precious state and all the rest of it, by people who seem to be completely unaware of the existence of a, of a minority uh, in in Ireland, a majority in, as I happily accept, the gerrymandered six hundred below, the majority there who who do seem to me to deserve some consideration in any settlement of the matter, and who simply make it out to be a matter of violence and colonial conquest. Believe me, I sometimes feel it's necessary to respond by saying, actually, there's another way of looking at this, and, uh, and let's not just assume that all the right is on one side, because it simply is not so. Uh, I very much regret the importation of large-scale violence into Ireland after a pretty long period, as it happens, of constitutionalism and peace. Uh, not long enough, but pretty long, uh, which began in 1916. And I, I think that it is a great, it is a great pity. And yeah. One can attribute an awful lot of blame and an awful lot of directions over it. My, my personal regret, because it's, it's my concern, is over the reprisals taken and the execution of the leaders of the Sure, but... It must be not merely to have been a crime, but also a mistake. A big mistake, yeah. The fact is, there had never been a 1916 rising. It's possible that we might have resolved the matter peacefully, which would have been a heck of a lot better than what happened. That is true. That is true. I don't like people killing. I don't like people killing people. I just dislike it intensely, and I and I and I, and I, I just do feel that if we get if people are going to start sloganizing about it, then sometimes it's not necessarily a good idea to lie down and say, "Oh well, yes, of course, everything we did was wrong." Well, most of what we did was wrong about at, at that time. Though there were many people in the British politics of the late nineteenth and early twentieth centuries who greatly sympathised with the the, the Irish Home Rule uh, campaign and wanted to support it. And, Well, the, well, the, the point I think the the point I would the point that maybe a lot of people here would dispute uh, because in in a kind of a nuanced way because strictly speaking it was UK territory, but it wasn't a that wasn't favoured. I mean, any time the Irish people were consulted, which was rarely, uh, they favoured, for instance, Home Rule, and then because of the reprisals in nineteen sixteen, certainly that moved the dial towards outright independence. Again, a, a, a British mistake. And I noticed on, on Twitter there was a lot of uh, back and forth about this, this German issue um, and, and whether Germany supported the rising. Now, I, I myself, I don't see why this is important uh, to the rising. I, mean, I think you yourself have said that Britain should have stayed out of World War One and not opposed the Germans. So, so if Germany weren't, you know, this kind of existential threat to European life and culture... Why would why would Irish rebels not ally themselves with Germany? I, I personally, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure why everybody's getting worked up about this particular well, I'll issue. Tell you, I'll tell you one simple reason why: the nature of the the nature of the involvement, and it, it's it's standard continental politics, and it was indulged in by by Russia, Germany, Austria, Hungary a great deal. That you you, you foment uh, trouble inside the territories of your immediate neighbours, mm-hmm. uh, and this is this is. This is What's been like. Also, it's, it's been a pretty long-standing habit of European powers who are not getting on very well with Britain uh, to find friends in Ireland whom they can support. And Indeed, they, I don't the think French. anyone will really deny that. Yes, uh, as, a, 
mm-hmm. uh, with the shipload of weapons. And here we come back to the supposed SS Ode, uh, the or order, however you wish to pronounce it. It's not, or technically, uh, allegedly, a Norwegian ship, actually, that the Zeitung um, Majesty's ship, uh, uh, Liebau, I think, a German by ownership, pretending to be a Norwegian merchantman, which turned off turned up on the west coast of Ireland. They contained 20,000 rifles and a million bullets and a few machine guns. And I don't think these were intended uh, for peaceful purposes. Of course not. Uh, and I do believe that they had been sought uh, by, uh, by by members of the, uh, of the Irish nationalists movement uh, and the Germans had, had supplied them. And I don't think that, uh, that this is actually uh, an unimportant feature of the history of the of the rising and the mention in the proclamation in 1916 of Gallant Ireland a reference to Germany as well. It wasn't just a straightforward Ireland versus Britain episode, it was an intervention by one foreign power intending to discomfort another. The Germans can't have imagined for a moment that even if those weapons had managed to get to land and be distributed, that they could have defeated the British Army. Yes, but they they were completely ineffective though. Yeah, I think I think people. I think I mean we are taught in school about the tragedy of the um, failure of SSO to 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 reach shores and, and get you know weapons on board, which which indirectly led to led to Owen McNeil. Well, well, that, well that that is the Irish view that uh, it. Yes. Yes. Well, the th- now that is true, but I mean, we're looking at it from the perspective of, of military success or not, and obviously. I, I try to look at it from another perspective. I, I just say I hate killing. Yes. Something I, I'm keen on. Well, it, and, and ultimately, I think we, we have less of it. Ultimately, it was the killing uh, of the rebel leaders by the British, which precipitated, as you as you acknowledge yourself, the War of Independence. So. The, 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 the Germans. Yeah. The German issue is. is yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the German issue is is very much secondary or tertiary to that. I mean, had had the German weapons arrive, Owen McNeil may not have demobilized the volunteers. We may have had a more meaningful rebellion. This is true, but the, the weapons didn't arrive, uh, so we had a small. Mm-hmm. Saying, well, it doesn't matter. 
matter because the weapons didn't arrive. Well, if, if, if I had an uncle William and uh, and I got in touch with Uncle William, I said I want to, I want to kill uh, I want to kill you. And, uh, and can I? Could, could, have you got a gun and some bullets? Can you supply them? To yeah. Me? And Uncle William said yes. And it just so happened that the police were listening over the phone, and they caught him as he arrived with the gun and the bullets. Would that make the matter any less disturbing? Yeah. Or yeah. Would it, would it mean there was no charge to be preferred? There would be a conspiracy to murder there. Wouldn't there? I think it's it's just to to say that because the the, the arms were not successfully delivered, and because the Royal Navy intercepted yes. the order. It doesn't mean that, that there was no backing or that the incident didn't happen. Well, sure, and, and, the, and the reference to... I do say it was, it was very providential for, uh, for Ireland that they didn't arrive because it would have been so much worse and so much more bloodstained if they had got ashore. Well, and, well it's, it's undeniable the reference to gallant allies and the interception of SS Order are very, are very well understood, uh, at least uh, by most people as far as I understand it. Um, I would hope so. Yeah, well, but but overall, overall, it's uh, it's it's I, it, there's no harm, I suppose, bringing it up again. But it seems it seems a more minor issue. But if I could take you, if I could take you then to to um, fast forward a little bit to the to the Good Friday Agreement, which you have just dis- call it that. Uh, uh, the what would you prefer? The, you call it the Belfast Agreement if you if, 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 if you because Good Friday is a is a very holy day and the Christian. Calendar and it's not a, a day for peace to be, to be right to have its name applied to a rather sordid uh, political agreement. It's an, it's an interesting take, yours on, on that because, funnily, as as you probably know, uh, we've managed to export some of our our great and fearless leaders. Like Bertie Ahern has become a, a kind of a peace consultant, uh, among others, to to go around the world and, and talk about the well, merits. Bless him. I hope he, I hope he manages to produce some peace. Yeah, so, so so Northern Ireland, as as you probably know, is seen as a template and uh, for peace. And obviously, peace is messy. Uh, I'm, I I I I've studied probably some conflicts in in my undergraduate, and I I'm, I can't think of any where there was kind of a satisfactory outcome which didn't involve significant and unpleasant compromise, as of course the 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 Belfast Stroke Good Friday Agreement did. So if I mean you. you the the alternative it seems to me was much worse than 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 this agreement um, and I haven't heard anything convincing that would suggest that uh, you know maybe the British should have ramped up um, their military presence in order to bring it to a con- to, to a close. Well, I let, think- me, let, let me suggest something to you in that case, if okay. you're willing to listen. I am. Okay. Well, it's really the, the fork in the road comes much earlier than 1998. Pretty much with Margaret Thatcher and indeed uh, colleagues having secret talks with Martin McGuinness in, in, uh, in flats at Chelsea and so forth. But the, there was always the, the Irish dimension pursued, particularly by John Hume, uh, as opposed to what has long seemed to me to be the best solution for Ireland. The problems, problems arise in Ireland, principally if one group is able to lord it over the other. Uh, the, the, the Protestant minority in the Republic didn't have a particularly good time in the immediate years, I think you'll accept, after independence. And yes. the Roman Catholic minority in Northern Ireland did not have a particularly good time in the, in the, in the period after partition. Probably a worse time. And I think that the, I think any knowledgeable, civilised person has to recognise that in both cases these things are regrettable. But the, 
want to be um, governed from Stormont. And I sympathize with uh, both, uh, but I think that uh, there is a way of dealing with this uh, which would be better than the ultimate destination of the 1998 agreement, which is, as you well know, the reunification of the whole of Ireland under government from Dublin, mm-hmm. which I think will probably turn out not to be a particularly successful arrangement when it comes. But I think what would have been better would have been uh, for direct rule uh, to have continued. And the great achievements of direct rule, uh, particularly in ending or greatly diminishing discrimination in employment, housing, education, uh, are constantly forgotten by people. But in fact, the, uh, most of the, of the British governing class were appalled when they discovered after 1969 just how bad these things were and the, and the existence of bodies such as the B-specials. And an awful lot was done. Well, wait, they, they only discovered them then. To put them, to put them right. And I don't think that, uh, that this this possible, not solution, but, but possible amelioration of the situation has ever been given anything like enough credit. And I think that because people insist on making it an issue of, um, of, of borders and sovereignty, even though they know that it is, it's bound to be incredibly difficult, especially um, with working classes, uh, with, with with working class unionists to get them to accept being governed from Dublin. The persistence in believing that somehow or other this can be made to work seems to me to be asking for trouble. And when you say that the, the 1998 agreement has brought about peace, well, there are two answers to that. One is that a sort of peace, given unless you happen to live in one of those areas uh, where the, the, the gangsters and killers who were let out of jail in large numbers on both sides uh, and, and, and are now free to run their protection rackets and their smuggling rackets whenever else they do because nobody touches them. Uh, if you're not particularly bothered about having people in, in, in government who have been associated uh, in, as, as apologists with, um, as, as apologists for such behaviour, uh, then that might be your idea of peace. It's not particularly mine, but okay, we, you might say that was defensible. But in the long run, I say when eventually the referendum happens and Northern Ireland is transferred uh, to Dublin government, how are uh, the poor, embittered, unionist minority going to behave? Mm-hmm. And are you going to see within 30 years uh, Irish troops on the Shankill Road? I, 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 I detect, I detect. And what, will, and, what, and, what, and what solution will be available after that? Should we, no, I just don't think anybody was thinking very hard. I think that, that the, the British government has for long seen Northern Ireland as a huge drain on the exchequer, mm-hmm. a political nuisance, finds unionism incomprehensible, uh, has very little sympathy with it, and would gladly get out of it could, uh, but it, there are domestic political reasons which make that make that complicated. Uh, and the, the, the British government longs to scuttle, as it scuttled from so many other places, uh, leaving behind whatever problems are there for someone else to, 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 to clear up. And the people who will be clearing it up will be the government in Dublin and the people of the United Ireland, which, which sent themselves. And I, I'm not sure that it's it's a wise direction. I remember being told again and again at the time, oh no, actually, people in, in, in the South are not at all keen on taking on Northern Ireland. But in fact, when the crucial political developments came about, which led to the agreement which would bring that about, there wasn't any hesitation or, or resistance to it in Dublin politics that I could see. Yeah, there is. I mean, there is, given for, for reasons of history and indeed geography, I think that people, there's something in uh, Irish people that, that 
automatically want to see the island unified. I think that's an emotional. Oh, uh, understandable. Yeah. But you, 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 could, you could have, I mean, actually, the past few years have demonstrated you can have unification in, in, in almost every. In almost every way, but the formal. Yeah. And Ireland, is, Ireland has not been since partition less divided physically than it is now. Yes, this is true. And these these things are perfectly achievable. And, 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 uh, but but in in, were. in in I, summary, I do we, do we, customs borders and all the rest of it. I mean, one could always have dispensed them when one wanted to, and you take that beautiful train ride down from from, from, from Belfast to, to Dublin and yeah. cross over. Well, that's, let's hope it continues. But I mean, in summary, yeah, you, you I, think you think direct rule. You think direct rule would have been a better would have been a better option. I mean, I, I suppose. I think, I think permanent direct rule and, and the, the, the as it were the defanging. Uh, I, I would the desectarianization of Irish politics. I would have liked to have seen. I mean, I, I don't have all that much time for them, but, I, but in preference to, to what we have, I would have liked to have seen the, gro- the, the, the growth of proper, um, the, as it were, conservative versus. Labour politics in Northern Ireland instead of unionist versus nationalist. Mm. I think that the that everyone in Northern Ireland would be much better represented by a, by by a division of that kind rather than the, the national division. I, I I don't I wouldn't want to devolve anything in Northern Ireland above the level of county council. Yeah, I don't think there should ever have been a Stormont Parliament. It was bound to be absolutely bound to be a sectarian Parliament, and, and I don't think the Assembly is ultimately sustainable as we see now. It's very very hard. I think, though, ultimately, all these decisions were, you know, to give Storm its parliament was a, was a British decision. Um, you know, the, the gerrymandering, the B specials. You say they only knew in 1969. That doesn't really seem yeah, plausible. I mean, I know we don't have the same access to information as we do now, but. Well, it's, yeah, long ignored. I mean, ideally, we would have that left-right divide rather than Catholic, Protestant, Nationalist, Unionist. Well, but, 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 but we have to deal with what we have. And, I mean, direct rule seems you to can, me... You can change it, though. But I mean, it's, 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 what I'm saying is that the, 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 there was more than one way out of the mess. And yeah. The, the way which might well have been preferable in the long run was, was ignored. So uh, you, you agree with Michael Gove, I guess, on, on this? You agree with Michael Gove, who wrote a piece uh, shortly after the the agreement, where he called for more sustained. I think it was military presence there to to as an alternative to this agreement to, to finally crush the. Uh, the, the uh, oddly enough, I have an argument with Michael Gove after the agreement, which at the time when I, as far as I can recall, he supported it, and I and I and I said to him that it was a mistake. And then he and changed his mind. A bit, a bit after that, this pamphlet. I thought, good heavens, I, I've always changed his mind. <laughs> but I don't think that, I'm afraid, uh, I don't think that, that uh, surrenders on the scale that Britain made in 1998 are reversible. Yes. I think I, 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 it is one of those, uh, an awful lot of political actions are irreversible, and this is one of the problems of politics. You can't do it again. And I have to accept, as a reasoning person, that this, that this has happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
Uh, but I, I will not uh, accept being told that it was uh, that it was some kind of heavenly angelic uh, piece of benevolence. I think it was it was a mistaken thing. We have to make the best of it. I I long for this for, for, for this country to be on better terms with Ireland. Well, and was a, was amazed. I have to say at how little coverage uh, the Queen's visit uh, to the Republic received in Britain because I thought it was absolutely astonishing in that. Mm. It was. Uh, it was. A, it was certainly. It was, it was certainly a big deal here. Yeah, it was certainly. It was certainly a big deal here. But speaking. Speaking of the Queen. Quite rightly so. It was. Let's. Let's. Let's move on to to Brexit because I'm conscious that I've taken quite a bit of your time already. Um, um, the Queen was reportedly in favour of Brexit, but that, that's, that's neither here nor there. In when when no, I, I when I, <laughs> when I requested, uh, she doesn't talk to me. Does she not? Oh, did, did she? Did she at one point? Um, in in the lead up to this, uh, when I when I emailed you asking if if you would, if you would speak to me today, you said you wouldn't you wouldn't mention the word Brexit, um, and you no, didn't. Okay. Okay. That's that's as good a it's as good a reason as any. And you didn't. You didn't. You did not want. Sorry. You didn't vote, even though you were uh, one of the strongest, most long-standing critic of the UK's membership of the EU. Why? That's correct. Why did? How? How do you explain that? Well, because I, I, I think uh, referenda are unconstitutional uh, and very dangerous things. Uh, interestingly enough, as I understand it, the Irish Constitution originally had very strong safeguards for the conduct of, of referendums. And I believe it's been weakened. I think they were possibly bearable under such circumstances. But generally, they're an opportunity for mountebanks. Yes. Uh, they, 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 an awful lot of the restraints which are uh, on, on public debate, which are present in general elections, are absent. And also, in our system, which is, I mean, I know yours is too, but in, in, the, in the British system, which is, is fundamentally based upon uh, parliamentary create an alternative uh, an alternative source of legitimacy for policy is very dangerous uh, the huge political mess in which the United Kingdom has found itself ever since the referendum is a, it, I mean, it, it, it's completely predictable in that, it, in that we are in a mess a crisis I think we told you exactly what point it would take but it, it, it was, there was always going to be a crisis it, it's not uh, it, it, it's, it's not it's, it's like trying to run something on the wrong voltage you, you can't do referenda in parliamentary systems even if they were a good idea in the first place which I don't actually believe they are uh, and you know which is the one major European country which doesn't hold them is Germany you know? Germany correct yeah yeah because they had a lot of experience with referenda in a, in, a, in a recent period of their history and they're not having any more thank you very much they, they know that they're, they're, they're far too open to, to manipulation yeah, it's. Um, I actually would agree with you on that. I think the referenda experience here has been quite divisive, uh, quite childish, frankly, and has not, contrary to public popular opinion, has actually uh, weakened public discourse, in my view. But that is that's definitely a minority I, view. I, I'd agree with you. Also, they've they've, they've got less fair. Yes. I think there used to be much tighter rules, and in fact the referendum that was held in Northern Ireland on the 1998 agreement was conducted, it seems to me, very unfairly and dishonestly. Uh, the intervention of rock stars um, and, and Mr. Blair's promise 
Yeah. Must be all dead. I always remember the the night of its conclusion, and everyone was rhapsodising about it except me. And I rang up an official in the British government uh, on a suspicion that I had, uh, because I, I was thinking of 1921. I, I rang up and I said, "Who signed it?" Uh, and uh, he said, "What do you mean who signed it?" I said, "Well, just just one simple question: Did anyone from Sinn Féin sign it?" And the answer came back, "No, they didn't." The only signatures were the British and Irish governments. And uh, I was so completely unsurprised. <laughs> I thought that tells you a lot of what you need to know about this event. And you think that's significant because Sinn Féin did not... Oh, significant because, of course, those who signed in 1921 were ever else was reviled, weren't they? Yes. Yes, this is true. And mm. I think that there is a strong presumption against, against saying anything short of a, a total act of surrender in which Britain... Uh, gives up any remaining uh, any, any remaining sovereignty or interest at all in all that. that I think should take would sign but nothing else on, on um, speaking of sovereignty you, you also mentioned that you're in favour of Britain remaining in the single market via the Euro so, yeah. via, the, via the European economic area now this as, as you well know will will mean that you will have to accept uh the jurisdiction of the European Court, and it also means that you will not, and I, I, I don't believe this was your major issue in, 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 in wanting to leave the European Union, but certainly it seems to me it was, it, was, it was a very important issue for a large majority of those that voted in favour of Brexit, and that was control over Britain's borders, which you... No, you're not quite correct about, about either of those, really. I mean, there's a certain limited indirect jurisdiction of the European Court, uh, such as Norway, uh, which is in roughly the position where I would want us to be, yes. but has to accept, but not, not direct jurisdiction of the European Court of Justice in, in, in Luxembourg over uh, most Norwegian or British matters. And as for immigration, I Liechtenstein, which has, uh, is a small state, but nonetheless uh, has the same legal rights as large ones and possibly less legal rights than large ones, which might be able to throw themselves throwing away about a bit more, uh, has managed to obtain through the European Economic Area considerable restrictions on immigration. Uh, there's much more flexibility in it than you might think. Uh, but the principal thing is that it, 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 it would give Britain an off-the-shelf uh, arrangement by which it could remain in the single market. Permanently. Uh, complicated uh, renegotiation of everything, and, and that would, of course, be beneficial to Ireland, because the, the principal danger of a hard border comes from Yes. Britain exiting the the single market and the the appalling number of bureaucratic non-tariff barriers which would then be imposed. And it's a very interesting uh, two people from whom I've uh, I've taken inspiration on this. One, my old friend Christopher Booker, who's, who who is again a veteran opponent of British membership of the European Union and wrote the masterwork on it, uh, the Great Deception. And his friend Richard North, who who runs a blog on the site, who's been investigating the European Economic Area option. Uh, as a way of Britain staying quite easily uh, within um, the single market while gaining a huge amount of, of extra independence over other matters. You see. It, 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 perfection in, in, in such things, as, as, as everybody knows, is very hard to obtain unless you are a, a superpower. Superpowers could generally be more or less sovereign. But anybody less than a superpower usually has to make compromises on the edges of sovereignty somewhere or other. And... And are you not? Um, by the way, I have I have that book, The Great Deception, right right in front of me. It was given given to me by a friend it's of mine. An excellent account of events, and, and, and say Christopher is, a, is, a, is like me, a, a very long-standing 
But are, 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 the the option uh, that would be uh, from from my perspective, certainly from from the Republic of Ireland's perspective, that would be absolutely ideal. I would be concerned as to how that would be sold and how that would be received by the British public. I see Farage already talking about his return to frontline politics if the uh, British well, people are betrayed. I, I, I can only say this. I think as, as it dawns on people what will happen on the, on the day in 2019, I think it is, when we actually leave, if we don't stay in the single market, when they discover there simply will not be enough motorways in Britain to contain the lorries waiting uh, to get into, uh, get into France through Dover because of the, the queues waiting for clearance, Mm-hmm. Uh, when they discover that the Irish border will similarly be backed up for miles on either side by trucks that simply can't cross because there's, there's nobody to enforce the myriad sudden regulations which must, by law, be imposed on a third country such as we will then become, mm-hmm. uh, then it may dawn on people that it's essential we come to some, some deal on this. Uh, it, the, the, one of the problems about the European issue, as Kristen points out in, in The Great Deception, is the, the very limited level of understanding of what the European Union is and how it functions at the higher levels of British politics. I and mean, yes. at the lower levels, people don't know. They're that learning. I see signs of, I see signs of, of hope. Actually, David Davis, whom I know, is a very intelligent man. I think it, it, it may come to him sooner or later that this is something worth considering. But I, sh- I shall carry on speaking for it as, as much as I can. I, I, I do wonder whether Nigel Farage's moment hasn't gone. Mm-hmm. I, I personally would hope that it has, because I don't have very high regard for it. Do you, do you regret the, the Brexit vote? I mean, I mean you mentioned you're, you're against referenda. Please. I was completely amazed by it, to be honest. I didn't, um, I, I didn't think that there would be a vote to leave. Yes. I was puzzled because uh, several newspapers, which had previously never in many, many years of British membership ever written a, a single editorial in which they called for Britain to leave, suddenly, uh, after all this time of quiescence, suddenly declared themselves in favour of leaving. Uh, and I was baffled also by the intervention of... of uh, Boris, as he's called, his real name is Alexander Johnson, and, uh, and Michael Gove on the side of leave, because I, I, I would not have identified either of them as being secure enthusiasts for, for leaving the EU before that point. And, uh, and, I, and I really was quite shocked by the way in which the, the campaign then, then proceeded, and, and, and amazed that the leave campaign managed to get a majority. I think I know why it happened. I think it's the, uh, the connection of the of the subjects of, of immigration with the subject of the European Union for many, many years even trying to talk about the European Union would, would, would cause whole roomfuls of people to fall asleep they were so bored by it Yes. Uh, but once the issue of immigration which is, is very, very strong particularly oddly enough among Labour voters uh, was connected with the European Union membership then that I think was what did it uh, and I was surprised by that I, I don't claim to have predicted it uh, at all I was, I, I was surprised by that I I did discover it halfway through the campaign and did predict it after that. But, uh, but, but do you do you feel Britain is more? Um, do you feel it's it's more divided? Obviously, the very uh, very sad murder of, of Joe Cox, and there seems to be a coarsening of the debate. It was already coarse, but it seems to me to have gotten worse. Uh, is is can that be attributed to this, or do you think that's just the way no, I things? Think there's certainly, there is a coarsening in in, in in British political life following this, and people are much less inclined to listen to each other or be patient each other or to treat each other as, as fellow countrymen than mm-hmm. they were. I, I, do, I do have a sense of danger uh, in this, that we, we may be becoming too divided uh, to reconcile, and I, I, it, it scares me. And because, as I 
say I really don't like people killing each other. Sure, and 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 speaking of of coursing, there was one other issue I wanted to ask you about, but you whether you have a view on it or not is another question. I don't know if you've been following um, the the Kevin Myers incident here in Ireland. He was oh, obviously very very well known this side of the Irish Sea, much better known now on your I'm side. Well known over here too. He is now certainly. What uh, what did you make of all of this? It was. That's it. Well, uh, Peter Richards, thank you so much for for your time today, and uh, we will be closely following your uh, your blog in, in, to see who who what what section of the Irish population you can you can whip up into a frenzy next. I have no desire to whip people up into a frenzy. I, I my my only hope is is to educate. I'm I'm sorry that there is still so much suspicion across the Irish Sea that people can will automatically assume that any English or, or British uh, discussion of Ireland is based upon a hostility, which in my case is absolutely not. Well, thank you very much.